As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming back to Civilized Barking. Zach Jackson, Jason Lloyd, another day in the Cleveland Browns Twilight Zone. Uh, It is Thursday, August 4th. It is technically a day off for the Browns before they go into three weekend practices, two of which I believe will be um, probably the most intense practices we've seen. But we know there's one story that's commanding the attention at this camp. We know at this early stage, Jason, there's one story that matters. In this camp, um, we know how the Deshaun Watson story has gone to this point. We're, as we record this, we're just about exactly 24 hours from the NFL announcing the appeal. Um, the ceiling of this season, obviously, is is tied to this ruling. Um, and what's obvious to me is we break down several layers. And we will mix in some other Browns talk. I've, I finished because I know some of you are fatigued, and that includes the two of us doing this podcast. Um the NFL did not do this to lose, right? And it kind of feels like Sue Robinson's um, written ruling laid it on a platter here. So we don't have exact names, dates, and details as far as who Roger Goodell is going to appoint to oversee this. Um, we don't know exactly what is going to be in each side's filings before it's heard. But the NFL wants a year to indefinite, and barring a settlement, it's going to get it. And... Um, Quite frankly, it's going to take a miracle for the Cleveland Browns to make the playoffs in 2022. You were right. I was wrong. I wrote the column the other day. I didn't think they would appeal. I was wrong. Um, I just, Zach, it feels like I, I was relieved. You were right also when you said Roger's not going to hear the appeal, but it still feels like a rigged system to me. And I wonder what you think, what do you think Sue Robinson is thinking today? Do you think she was, she set, she set the ruling that she did knowing they were going to appeal or do you think she's surprised and, and feels used in this? I don't think, well, you know, I, I don't want to speak for her. Obviously. Um, I try to limit my interactions with federal judges as I go, about <laughs> life. but um, no, I think she feels like she did her part. Right. And, and we know now from the Charles Robinson story um, that, you know, the NFL has known since June, since the hearing, that it wasn't going to get the year here. So 
you know, as far as who's right and who's wrong, I mean, we're all in the moment and, and, and there's no bonus for us in any of this, right? But those who have believed that the NFL wins these things and does these things with a purpose, um, a timing, a strategy, a message, a chess versus checkers type thing, are right because they knew what was out there. And again, this goes back to months and months of, yes, the idea of Deshaun Watson is great. And no, if Deshaun Watson wins you a Super Bowl or even gets you close, there's no price too heavy to pay for the player. But what are you doing getting into this when you know this is going to be the outcome? So what I say to those who feel like the NFL has undercut its own system or the NFL was always going to bow to outside pressure and to just the thought that someone with these accusations now proven in a, in a written ruling by a former federal judge, we're not going to be able to play. Well, duh, that was always going to be the outcome. And what in the hell were the Browns thinking signing off on this? Well, they weren't the only ones. There was the, what, the Panthers, the Saints. We know the list of teams. I was told it was as many as 13 that showed interest in them. So it's not like they were the only ones that were pursuing him and trying to make this deal. But I guess I go back to, and we talked about this on the pod before, if the NFL wanted indefinite or wanted a year, just put them on the exempt list. It feels like they really, and, and I don't know if it's necessarily trying to screw the Browns or just any team that was trying to pursue him. Why not just... Even after the no bill comes back, say, listen, you know what? There's a lot here. There's a lot of civil cases outstanding. Let's just, we're going to put them on the exempt list until all this is sorted out and cleared up. Not because yet. it really, by not doing, and I understand, I said it on the last podcast. I'll say it again. Yes, it's usually used for criminal type cases, but we've all, everyone has said this is the most crazy case that they've come across and the most egregious case that they've dealt with. Just put them on the exempt list. Then the Browns don't touch him. Probably no one else on that list goes after him. And this thing can get sorted out and cleaned up. And then a year from now, we can have this discussion or whenever it is, you, you, probably most likely next March, then we go through it again. But it feels like the NFL really did all the teams that were pursuing him a disservice. If this is what they wanted, just put him on the exempt list. Yeah. I mean, non-lawyer answer here um, on that and on the whole thing of why this new system got put into place is Rodgers been bad at doling out discipline, right? And the Ray Rice thing, where the discipline was handed down, then the video came out, then the story of the whole thing became of the NFL's mishandling, right? And I think as these things went, because remember, Deshaun requested a trade before anyone outside the Texans' doors or the NFL's doors knew any of these charges, any of them, let alone 20-some. Yes. Right? Um. So I think they, the NFL looked and said, hey, before we, before we have an idea of whether these are legitimate or not, whether these are going to be criminal complaints or not, or whether there's going to be another avalanche of them, then I don't think we can go there. So as to one specific example where you and I were in the room on March 29th or whatever at Roger's press conference that he always has to wrap up the NFL owners' meetings – did he need to say clearly there, we're not going to use the exempt list? I don't know. Did that pigeonhole the NFL or, or put them into one way they had to do it? I, I don't know that. So I think you ask a fair question, but I think the answers are tied to how the system is set up. And it's tied to how the NFL. And like I said, I have no problem with the Browns' pursuit of Deshaun Watson. And of course, it is 
Andrew Barry and Paul D. Podesta, and to a lesser extent, Kevin Stefanski's job to pursue every option. But at some point, some points, you have to say, guys, we're doing this out of desperation here. And, and where is desperation leading us? And just because we can get ownership sign off or just because the first grand jury made it so the Texans will take our call tonight, you know, like I said, I, even all the way through. And I just keep coming back to that Thursday where he told him no. And they came back with the new contract. I mean, before you're all in here, like this is this is a monumental, this is defining franchise decision, right? Yeah. And I just like these are smart people that work for the Browns. I believe that. You believe that. I think almost all of our listeners believe that, right? But somebody messed up, and probably multiple people on multiple fronts, to allow this to get past the idea stage because. A valid question I've had for months and many others have had for months is regardless of courtroom resolution, regardless of Sue Robinson resolution, Roger Goodell, when does this go away? What what else is out there? And when you have a ruling saying this guy's behavior was egregious and predatorial and he has not told the truth and that clashes with what you said and, and regardless of what was said in statements and how bad messages have been delivered and how clumsy this whole thing is, you're going to play games with a Super Bowl quality football team that's missing its quarterback that you gave up the freaking farm for. This is major failure, and it'll have major, major layers of fallout, disappointment, and um, just everything bad that will continue to follow it because there's still there's not only a cloud of defeat, but there's a cloud of disappointment. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've said. Excuse me, I'm getting over my own little cough here. Uh, I've said all along that it's it's a disaster if he doesn't play this year. And and I, I maintain that it's this is a disaster of a deal if he doesn't play. And and just for a moment, let's because it sure looks like it's headed that way, right? Do we agree on that? It looks like it's headed that he's not playing this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, again, August 4th, 24 hours after the appeal was filed, the only way he plays is if sometime in the next 72 to 144 hours, there's a settlement that makes it to 12. I mean, the NFL did not do this to lose. Yes. Okay, so what do you do? Because we've said all along, Jacoby Brissett is fine for six weeks. He's fine for eight weeks. But if you're trying to compete for the playoffs and try to go to the Super Bowl, Jacoby Brissett's probably not your quarterback. That's probably not your guy. And the, the whole Jimmy G thing, we've, had, we've discussed it at, at, at nauseum. But I'll bring it up again only for one reason, because – you know, I've said it a hundred times. We've written it. The Browns have never shown a lot of interest in Jimmy G. They never thought he was much of an upgrade over Baker prior to this whole Deshaun thing. That was never really an option. The reason why I still wonder if, obviously to me, Jimmy G is an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett. But all the cap space act that they're supposed to be rolling over to next year, he would eat that up this year. So it's almost like, okay, you go get Jimmy G now, but with what you'd have to pay him this year – that takes away from the cap money that you can roll over to next year, and it really causes you major cap problems going forward. Do you think that is any and all uh, impediment to why they still would not pursue Garoppolo, even if he's out for a year? Do you think it's it's Jacob? Because I don't see anyone else, unless I'm missing one, unless they talk somebody out of retirement. Yeah. It's either Jacoby Brissett or Jimmy G, and I just well, think the cap number that you could roll over by not having Garoppolo on the roster this year is enticing to them. Yeah, but the, what will change if it's a year-long suspension, Jason, is the, the cap number will not be 55 next year. It'll only be 10. So then you do have the, the money to go get him. Now, you're still not going to pay him the full 24. Um, 
Look, that that's one thing that the Browns did in all their planning here. I mean, they chose this over Baker, obviously. They chose this over all of them, and including Jimmy G. And Jimmy G's surgery was probably a part of that. And Jimmy G being 30 and being maybe just a slight talent upgrade and a major experience and professionalism upgrade from Baker, you know, was a part of that. But, you know, they now at a year-long suspension or something in that neighborhood, plan A is out the window. Right. So as far as the cap implications, Deshaun's Deshaun got his signing bonus. He will lose whatever he loses in a suspension out of his base salary for this year, which we all know is now just one million dollars. But his cap number is supposed to be 10 and your cap number is your base plus your prorated signing bonus amount. Right. So if it if it tolls, if it rolls over to next year, instead of being 55, it will be 10 and, and therefore creates. $45 million of cap space that the Browns didn't anticipate having. So the Browns are $48 million under this year's cap because they're going to need every one of those to roll over. But the way I understand it is if Deshaun doesn't play, they become now $57 million under that cap or $58 million under that cap because he will, he will be zero uh, because the contract won't start until he plays for them. Okay, so if you're in the Browns and you're looking at 10 or 12 games of the year, at that point, would you just want it to be the year? Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for that, um, except for the fact that we've seen in the NFL time and time again that if you are 6-6 six and six or even 5-7, and seven, you're not out of it. Hell, last year was a disaster for most yeah. of the year, and they weren't out of it in December, right? Right. They right. weren't out of it until COVID and the Packers game, which they could have won, and the Raiders game, which they did come back and almost win, you know? Um, all of those things. So – this could go a hundred different ways, and they have shown a level of trust and planning in Jacoby Brissett. But reality says the ceiling on this offense is going to be high, and even if your defense is dominant and stretches early, and even if your run game is awesome, you're going to have limitations, and you're going to be in a lot more dogfights. Um, we know why they went and did this, and just let me be clear that from a week of training camp, awful dangerous to draw any conclusions, but the man is talented, and, you know, can, can be really good, and the ceiling is tremendously high with a comfortable focus to Sean Watson having been here, having a comfort level with Kevin Stefanski, his offensive line, his receivers, all of these things. With Jacoby Brissett, it's going to be the same offense. Jacoby Brissett does not have the mobility, the arm, the playmaking, you know, any of that stuff. He's older than Deshaun. He doesn't have – he. they've played a similar amount of games. Deshaun has started more games, right? Like – if you bring in Jimmy Garoppolo, who can operate this offense, I think he probably gives you a better chance to make a real run at the FC playoffs this year. So that, to me, is realistic. Um, as you mentioned, some other wild idea right now about somebody out of retirement or getting somebody. I think it's realistic, and they will have the cap room. I think it's mandatory. I would like to say it's already been at least talked about, and I feel pretty confident that it is. But again, I, I come back to these um, these meetings that led them to actually signing off on doing this, so I don't know. So I think that I know that if you go to camp this weekend, Jacoby Brissett is going to be the quarterback, right? Um, I think that when the Eagles visit two weeks from now, Jacoby Brissett's probably going to be the quarterback. But beyond that, as we get into late August, early September, I'm not sure. Because I think you owe it to this locker room to try to make a run for it. Because you have a good team. And I just want to be real clear. 
like Jason, and I've told you this a little bit, is I've talked to various people, and one of them was on this podcast, Brady Quinn, who who knows what he's talking about, but just various people in the league who have coached and done salary caps and scouted and whatever about this. Like, the consensus is the Browns roster is really, really good. Like, really, really good. And I think the Browns know that too, and I think they have a belief in what they have. So, you know, one of the problems would be that even if Brissett is yucky and not even average, you're probably not going to be at the bottom of the league. You don't have your first-round pick for the next two years anyway. Right. So, so yeah, you have to start looking at quick fixes. And um, just on the surface, 30-year-old Jimmy Garoppolo coming off surgery with an injury history, you know, every dollar you can talk them down and just give up one of these fifth-round picks that you've hoarded. Yeah, I'm not saying they're going to do that. I'm, I'm saying they never intended to do that. But, man, it makes a lot of sense to me to happen. It makes a lot of sense. As this month goes on. It sure does. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You touched on practice. I'm I'm fascinated by the snap division between Jacoby and Deshaun. What do you do at practice tomorrow? Do you still have Deshaun taking snaps, or I, I, I you know, I mean, I wouldn't. You, you've 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 known all along you got to get two quarterbacks ready for some point. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> given excuse me, given the latest turn of events. Did you just tell Deshaun sit this one out? We got to go with Jacoby. Yeah, I have I have him out there, but I I I wouldn't. There there's no no logical thing that says he's going to play anytime soon, right? And the first week of camp is over. It's been mostly light practices, and it's not like you're winning the AFC North based on what you get done this weekend. But it's it's time to ramp it up, <laughs> you know. Like they have four practices before they go play a preseason game. And there's no indication that Jacoby or Deshaun was ever going to play in a preseason game because you you would not play those guys except behind your first offensive line, right? So these practices matter in terms of building things. Um, I think one of the things that's made the elementary nature of practices is that all the quarterbacks are still new. You don't just hit the ground running with new guys. You know, you're still installing, you're still teaching, you're still on the finer points. And I think the reality says he's probably not going to play. So if I'm going to have some two-hour practices and get some quality reps, I'm giving them all to Jacoby Brissett. So in, in case you haven't been reading or listening every day, um, starting last Saturday, guys, which was like the fourth practice but the second real one, um, all of a sudden Jacoby popped in the huddle with the number ones. And we hadn't seen that in any of the six open spring practices or any of the three later practices before that. And it was only a couple plays, but it became a consistent theme. He got some reps with the number ones, then he would get almost all the reps with number twos, and then Dobbs would get maybe 
cleanup reps there. Watson has been first in every huddle and every line going back to the spring. And in many of the spring practices, he got one and two reps, um, which makes sense for a guy you're getting ready to start who hasn't played football in a year. And you gave $230 million to, right? But now I think reality is smacking you in the face. And I don't know what it'll be, but I think you ask a great question. And I don't think there's any explanation for it being anything other than Jacoby Brissett Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, you know, I, I, we had a text conversation the other day. I'll bring it up here because this is before the, the six-game suspension even came down. And we may not have clarity on this until the appeal is heard and final ruling and all that. But I asked you, hey, why not throw Deshaun out there for the Jacksonville game? Just to knock some rust off. You know he's going to be suspended for a while. You know he's going to miss time. It reduces the injury risk so that the first time you you see him isn't in actual live events. And you brought up what I thought was a great point. You're not going to play him behind anything other than the first team offensive line. So I think I still think it's a conversation worth having of do you play Deshaun in a preseason game just to get him some reps and get him some snaps it's because it's been so long since he played. But I have to stand down when, when you brought up the point about the first team line. That's exactly it. So I imagine we're not going to see him Regardless of any sort of suspension ruling, we're probably not going to see him. Yeah, in the and, and the, listen, there could be a script all along where they said they wanted to get 10 plays out of that. But because you bring in the Eagles and you control that environment, the quarterbacks aren't live. You you can limit it. You can limit it or extend it as long as you want to. Those two days of getting both live reps, or, or maybe not, depending on the ruling, right? Because it's two weeks from today, exactly. Those make a lot more sense than a first preseason game in Jacksonville where he hasn't played. You're already short at offensive tackle. Your best offensive guard is 30 years old and been in the league 10 years. Like just the, the upside to putting those guys out there just does not, to me, just does not equate to being worth it. So where does this go from here? How long is this going to take before we have finality on all of it? Yeah, so the rule, the, the wording is out there. Our colleague Jeff Howe had it out right away yesterday within minutes. Um, you know, the NFL has filed the appeal. That leaves three business days for the NFLPA to file their written response to it. Um, the appeal can only be based upon what was in her findings, Jason. It's not like this is going to a real retrial or the NFL can say, actually, we should have brought seven other women into this or we should have brought this incident that happened into this, right? But Roger Goodell is going to appoint someone, and this is going to be heard um, as, as soon as next week, as soon as everything is formally filed. And I would expect within a week that there will be a ruling. So the sides can still settle. They know what's at stake. You know, in retrospect, which which I eventually spit out at the end of the last podcast, but was sitting in all our faces, is last Sunday night before the decision when the NFLPA put out the statement said, we're not going to appeal, we're begging the NFL not to. They were telling all of us, we know how this is going to go and the NFL is going to appeal, <laughs> right? Like that was that was right out there. So everybody's ready for that. Um, I, you know, I know there's, I think, been some momentum um, passed along through through media that, you know, that there's some interest, at least from the NFLPA side in a settlement to get him on the field and maybe finally move on the kind of interest that obviously wasn't there or wasn't strong enough from June 25th all the way on to five days ago. Right. But um, I think we're going to have our ruling and I don't think it's going to be positive there. 
and we just await final word. And then another interesting thing is if it's indefinite to a year, then I, I do not think that he's allowed to participate in the rest of preseason and training camp if it's indefinite. If it's a suspension of anything short of a year, then he, the suspension begins the Sunday before the regular season and he's eligible for all this stuff. But I think he'll be removed immediately if it's indefinite. So, um, and then, you know, there's things to work out there. At some point, can he get back in the building and can he work out, not practice, but be around his teammates and be supervised? Because in the original ruling with with the amended CBA suspension, after three weeks of the six-week suspension, he was going to be allowed to be back in the building. Um, I, I don't know if that will still be the case. It, you know, it's written to be half, but obviously we're going to kind of sort this out as it all goes. So um, it's kind of a stay tuned. We'll see. And instead of, you know, the story next week being of the first preseason game and how are these six-round rookies going to do and how's Cade York going to kick in a, something resembling a game environment, it's going to continue to be this until we get final resolution. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I mean, this whole thing is a twilight zone. I, I don't say that. I, I really don't, I'm not making light of any of this. And you guys who have read and have and have listened know that, right? But like on a, another very normal day of training camp, right now Tony Busby's having a press conference in Houston. You know, and as far what's that all about? Um, that surprised me. Yeah, all all the cases that one settled clearly, and I haven't seen any updates or anything. I haven't I haven't been watching Twitter. I, he, clearly, he had something he wanted to say. Yeah, he had something he no wanted to get out there, but I don't know what it could be. I, I just think there's been such a naivety, Jason, on the side of Watson going all the way back to the news drops at four o'clock that Friday, and at four fifteen, the agents on Instagram saying max contract, right? Yeah. Um, to you know, you see some of these reports from the army of ESPN and NFL people saying, "Well, the Watson camp thinks this." Well, the Watson camp thinks, "Well, what?" What has the Watson camp been right about? At what point is the Watson camp not a reliable source here, guys? What are we doing? Right? Yeah. And like I said, here on the home front, I know you've only been back a couple days, and it's not really that I've even tried to stay out of it. It's that, you, you know, you, you almost can't help because it's just one story all the time, and you're locked in really since Sunday afternoon every minute of the day, right? But, like, it's not about the signing autographs and about what Browns fans feel. Like, this is a huge swing and a miss by the Browns organization just at a time when it looked like they were building some stability, some goodwill, a great roster, and opening a window of contention. They do this, which they didn't have to, and now the whole thing, on the exact 10-year anniversary of the Haslam's taking over, and for 10 years, almost all of those 10 years, it's been a total clown show. It's a total clown show again. Yeah, it is. I, I still have a hard time killing him over it, though. I really do. He was such a talent. They needed to upgrade the position. Guys like that don't become available. I understand why they pursued him. Clearly, they didn't think it was going to go this route. I don't think they would have done it. They, certainly, they don't make this trade if they don't if they believe that 
he's facing the year. They don't give up the number of draft picks that they did for it. Uh, and again, that's why I just go back to the league should have just put him on the exempt list. And then all of this goes away and none of these teams touch him if he's on the exempt list. So to answer, to partly answer your question before, I just pulled up some tweets from this people who are watching this Busby press conference on Facebook. Uh, Tom Withers from the AP. Attorney Tony Busby representing alleged victims in a Watson case said NFL bungled the investigation, called league's discipline possible policies jumbled mess and inconsistently dismal. So of course it's coming from one side, but then Ashley Solis, who was the first accuser is now speaking and speaking out against the NFL's investigation. So this was, well, this was timed, right? Um, as all of this. Stuff oh, sure. Been. And for those of you guys have been following it, you knew going back to May, the Browns got back to practice. Deshaun Watson was in the spotlight. Boom. Here come the HBO story. Right. And then came the text and stuff and the immediate settlement here. And like, and just to say for the reality, when I make the case of how bad the Browns bungled this, there have been 53 lawsuits settled this summer over what this guy did. And you really thought he was going to be playing on October 1? Like, yeah, yeah, I I hear you. I do. But I just I look at the talent and I see why they did it. I, I do. I understand. Why I, they went I, after I understand him. that, too. I'm, you and I were almost all on the same page. And, and it wasn't just about Baker. Yeah. Right. It was this was a rare opportunity. But what was the reason that the Texans were willing to trade him? What was the reason that on the fifth day of free agency you could get this guy after he told you no? Right. Like you had made the decision. Listen, great things in the NFL have happened from desperation. And I am of the belief in modern sports, especially aggressive wins. And if you're not thinking about and walking through all these scenarios that most people think you would never pull off, then you're not doing your job if you're Andrew Barry, if you're Paul DePodessa, if you work for these guys. But like results-based business here, and you're going to go through this season with this roster and not have this guy? They cost you three first-rounders, three more picks, $230 million in all this backlash? You're going to risk having your locker room fractured again? And oh, if it's indefinite right in a year, when we go into next March, you know, not talking about what they're going to do at tight end or right tackle or strong safety, just throwing them out there, right? But talking about is he even going to get reinstated? Yeah, I don't even I, I don't even have the bandwidth to have that conversation no. right now of could it go beyond a year if it's uh, indefinite? Uh, I don't know, man. I'm just I just. I'm so tired of talking about this. Yeah, I'm so too. tired of this whole thing. I can't imagine how – I mean, they brought it on themselves. But the, the the fatigue that Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski have to feel over this and the Haslam's and Paul DiBodesta, it just never ends. It, it felt for a minute like we might have clarity and conclusion to this, and we're not even close to the end still. No. No, we're not. We're not. So, um, Yeah. Um, next Friday, they'll be on your TVs. If you go out to camp, you know, good luck. <laughs> um, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see how they divvy the quarterback reps. We'll see if anybody really answers a question. You know, the Browns did say on Monday um, that the GM and owners would disc- would talk about it when there was resolution. They, they knew an appeal was coming. Everyone knew. But, again, they still made the trade. So will they ever really answer a question? Will somebody take responsibility for this? Well, the answer to that is someone will. Um, we don't know when and we don't know in what carnation. But, you know, when you make this trade, Jason, you signal a unified front. We're on board. 
We know what this entails. We're ready to take this on. We're ready to tackle it. And we're going to come through at the end as champions or as this. And you get to this point and nothing's settled. And you're looking at having to play Jacoby Brissett or pray for Jimmy Garoppolo's shoulder or some other magical plan on top of what you've already done with a salary cap constructed in a roster constructed to win this year or next, then, then that plan's not working. And that's, that's bad management. That's bad ownership. It's the same old shit that we've seen here for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, oh. this has been civilized barking. So um, thank you guys for listening, for reading. When the Browns are back at practice um, and Kevin Stefanski's not answering any questions tomorrow afternoon, we'll be there and um, we'll have it covered. Uh, the next podcast will be at some point next week. We'll, we will talk about the preseason. We will talk about camp. But we will also start with the only story that matters, and that's the status of the star quarterback. So um, we'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening.